I am feeling so creatively rejuvenated, and I'll explain what that's brought about in just a minute. From Connecticut, this is Stranger Than Christian. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to another episode of Stranger Than Christian. My name is Christian Carey, and thank you so much for tuning in. If you don't know by now, this is the show where you can hear unrehearsed, unscripted, spontaneous conversation with complete strangers from all over the world. Today is no exception. My guest Bill is from my neck of the woods, Connecticut, and he, like me, is an amateur aspiring broadcaster. He hosts a podcast called The Way, and on every episode of his show, he speaks to somebody who uh, professes to be an expert in a certain subject. So you might hear an expert on truck repair one week, maybe an expert on the violin the following week, kickboxing the week after that, a wide variety of experts that uh, Bill talks to. And his website, podcasttheway.com, is where you can check out all his episodes. I really had a great conversation with him. Uh, You know, it's great to talk to somebody who shares that same sort of curiosity for people uh, that I have. And so we had some common ground there, and he was a fascinating person to talk to, and I hope you enjoy it. You know, I got to catch up with my family recently. Uh, Parents are doing well. Mom and dad are doing fine. Uh, My brother, Andrew, and his wife, Gabrielle, my nephew, his son, Milo. Nephew, it just feels so weird to have a nephew or to say, you know, like at least to say it, to say that I have a nephew. Um, They're doing wonderfully. Um, I actually, my mom got in touch with me a couple days ago because I apparently have jury duty this week. The only problem is that I have not lived in Connecticut for about seven years now. That time goes by so fast. That first year of our relationship together, my relationship with Kat, was just so magical. It holds so many romantic memories for me. And the weather around this time of year, like today, it's a like 73 degree day. You got that big warm orange sunlight, you know, as the sun is just setting. It's um, it's Apple Festival weather is how my wife and I would describe it. Because back in the day when we lived in Connecticut, in West Haven in particular, you know, First Lutheran Church has the West Haven Apple Festival on the West Haven Green. And it's three days of everything apples and, you know, carnival rides and 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 popcorn and games and all that, all the things that come with a fair, you know. And uh, we used to walk down there every year and just such a magical time. And the weather right now in Lancaster reminds me of those times. And I think that in this particular relationship, I've never felt more fulfilled and more at peace and just happy. Um, Anyway, that's a long way to say I need to call whoever I need to call in Connecticut and tell them I don't live there anymore before they come find my ass for not going to jury duty. Anyway, so family's doing well. Um, I, I'm actually asked that question fairly frequently by the people who listen to this show. Um, they want to know how my family's doing, and uh, thank you for your concern. Yeah, everybody's everybody's doing really great. Next week, Saturday in particular, is a pretty big day. So next week is the 20th anniversary of 9-11, of the attacks on New York City and Washington, D.C. Uh, on September 11th of 2001. And it's such a trip to have coworkers and no people who were born after that, who have no memory of those events. And I'm sure you're going to hear a lot of this kind of talk over the next week or so, you know, the reminiscing and the, you know, where were you when? Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll spare you that uh, for the most part. I, I will say this, um, as somebody who loves television and loves broadcasting and loves radio and loves, you know, all the things that I tell you week after week that I love, 9-11 is fascinating to me in that it is a study in what to do when you can't predict what's going to happen. Television entertainment is so 
manicured and prepared and scripted and rehearsed. And so when something like a plane crashing into the World Trade Center occurs, all of a sudden it's like watching a game of chess. It's, you know, what what move is the person behind the camera, the person behind the switcher in the control room, what move are they going to make? From that point of view, I, I have a sort of fascination with the events of September 11th, not in a morbid way, but just, you know, the amount of news that was pouring in on that day. Every minute there was either some unconfirmed rumor or some update or some closure or some new event and it was almost impossible to keep up with, which is why now we have a news ticker. You see the ticker at the bottom of broadcast news that happened, that originated on September 11th because news was coming into the studios or coming into these sources so quickly that it was impossible for the person on screen to keep up. A lot of memories from that day. I'm fortunate that none of my family members, none of the people that we knew that were living in New York at the time, because I have a lot of family in New York, none of those people were affected by the events of that day, um, at least physically. You know, we're all affected mentally and emotionally by those by those events. And it doesn't get easier to think about. I, it's absolutely blowing my mind. And I'm sure, again, you'll hear this over and over, but can you believe it's been 20 years since September 11, 2001? Absolutely unbelievable. So, I am planning on taking some time to reflect on that day and uh, be present for those thoughts on that day because anybody who wasn't born before 2001 may not understand completely. You may see the after effects of 9-11 in your everyday life. You may experience difficulties with airport security or you may hear things about wiretapping in the Patriot Act. A lot of those are sometimes tangentially connected to September 11th, sometimes in very tenuous, sneaky ways that I won't get into right now, but it's a big one. And so I would encourage you to just take some time that day, you know, even if it's not the whole day, um, but just be present for those thoughts because uh, whether you realize it or not, it's an important, it's an important event. And it changed a lot of your day-to-day, whether you realize it or not. So I mentioned at the top of the show that I was feeling this complete creative rejuvenation. I feel awakened. I feel empowered. I feel like, for lack of a better phrase, I can do it. Whatever I put my mind to right now, I can do it. I can make it happen. And so I have this idea And I'm going to run this by you because you and I are friends. And I want to tell you all the cool stuff that I plan on doing. A year ago for buzzerblog.com, the game show website that I am the news editor for, a historian as well, but I do a lot of writing and reporting for Buzzerblog. I wrote a three-part investigative series on the existence of what was supposedly a lost episode of the 90s game show, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? And on its face, it may seem like a trivial footnote in TV history, probably because it is. But it brought me down this incredibly fascinating rabbit hole, and I was able to establish connections with so many people that worked on the show, so many people that were on the show, so many people that uh, had some firsthand insight into the show's production and recording and editing and archiving. It was really a mind-blowing experience to be able to work on this article. turned out to be one of the most read articles uh, ever written on BuzzerBlog, which completely threw me for a loop. Thousands of people have read this this three-part series of articles. WGBH, the PBS station in Boston, Massachusetts, accepted my research as fact and entered that into their archive. Um, And I am just very, very, very proud of this work. And so um, what I'm going to be devoting my attention to for the next couple of weeks is creating an audio adaptation of this article series. And it may be podcast length, it may be shorter, it may be longer, but somehow I feel like I can make one hell of a narrative out of this. And I'm auditioning voiceovers this weekend, I'm getting music together, I'm getting my resources together. 
I just feel like this is going to be a really cool project, and I'm really excited to show you when it's done. So that being said, I'm planning on taking a break from this show just for a couple of weeks so I can focus my attention on this project because I'm really excited to bring it to fruition. Um, you know, I talk all the time about how creatively fulfilled doing this podcast makes me feel, and I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't follow that uh, that call to create. And so that's the next project I'll be working on. Um, I, I will come back to this. It's only going to be a couple of weeks and I may have some guest hosts in the meantime, which I'm kind of toying with the idea of right now, depending on people's availability, depending on, you know, their equipment. I hope, I hope I can find a guest host with a good microphone. <laughs> um, but that's what I'm going to be working on. I will keep you posted on its progress and I just can't wait to share this story with you. If you haven't read the articles, buzzerblog.com, they're all available there. I'm excited to breathe some new life into the story and, you know, give it another dimension. So that's what I'll be working on. And I really hope you like it. I'm still taking my social media break, but if you do want to check it out, facebook.com slash stranger than Christian. I am active on Twitter at stranger than C sharing new episodes, which of course release every Saturday morning on all the major streaming services and at stranger than Christian.com. Of course, patreon.com slash stranger than Christian to be a pal and support open, honest, unedited, vulnerable conversation. I would appreciate it. And I'll be back in just a minute with that conversation with Bill from Connecticut. But first, here is a word of interest about a phenomenal program on the Apocalypse Podcast Network. You're listening to Stranger Than Christian. Stay right there. Greetings from Chromatica, home of Lady Gaga, liberator of kindness punks, mother of little monsters, Tricon of the ages. We are her best fans with a mission to create a podcast celebrating our hero. Broadcasting straight from Chromatica. This podcast is about Lady Gaga for Lady Gaga. But anyone can listen. It doesn't matter if you love him or capital H-I-M. Prove your stupid love. Ace the art pop quiz. Put your paws up. And download the Chromaticast wherever you get your podcasts. Join us every other Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for our live tapings at twitch.tv slash apocalypse podcast network. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Excellent. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? You know, I have talked to about 63 guests for this show so far. You are the first Bill I've ever spoken to, which is weird because I feel like Bill's a pretty common name. I would say so. I like to think it's a great name. Do you know any other Bills? I know... Actually, no, not really. Maybe like Yeah, I, I, I don't either, now that I'm thinking of it. I knew like a Billy when I was in... I feel like everybody knew a Billy. Nobody knows a Bill, though. I feel like the Billies didn't keep the name through adulthood, where they have to like cut off the Y and change it to Bill. Oh, no, that was me. I was Billy up till late high school. Then I said, you know what? I need to look professional. <laughs> really? Does Billy look more professional? Or I'm sorry, less professional than Bill? Um, I guess, like like you said, people see as younger, so... I want to look older, I guess, or sound older. I guess. Doesn't it suck that younger is better or like, you know, people look at, at names like that and, and you know, create their own narratives about who you are and, and, and your youth based on an extra letter at the end of your name? Oh, definitely. And also when you're younger, you want to look older, but then when you're older, you want to look younger. So it's a lose-lose. See, I didn't have that problem. I started growing a beard when, and maybe it's genetics. I started growing a beard when I was like 13. That's really young. Wow. It is. It is. Yeah, I started getting like facial hair, like the whole thing. I used to go out to get Powerball tickets for my dad when I was like 13, 14 years old. Wow. And then you would get the cigarettes and get liquor for your friends, right? No, see, I didn't get liquor for my friends until I went to college because I was I was I turned 21 my freshman year of college. So that's like that automatically that auto, that automatically makes you the most popular kid on campus. Oh, wow, definitely. Wow. 
That's a nice big benefit to have. Some kids graduate and they're still 20. That is true. Yeah, I um, I, I went to uh, acting school for a couple of years between high school and college. So by the time I went to college, I was like a couple of years older than everybody. But I kind of, I kind of liked having it that way. Yeah, and if you're an actor, when you're underage, you can act your way to get booze or whatever you need. That's true. I sucked at acting though. I didn't, I didn't finish. I went to, I went to school for it, and I just realized what, what a crappy life that is to like always be hoping for a role and like doing whatever you have to do in the meantime to like scrape by. Oh, I could see that. Definitely is a hassle. I saw you had a Don Grant on your show way back. And I had him on too, and he said it took him twenty years to get like his first role. Amazing, isn't it? How 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 people can just like plug away and not not reach that level of success until until twenty years later. It, it's funny. It gives me a different perspective on these people who like. You ever go on YouTube or like on? I, I don't have TikTok, but I know that on TikTok people try to like. Uh, people try to like voice act and do their auditions and stuff, and some people get gigs based on those auditions i'm like what does that say for the people like don who have been trying for decades to get one gig to get one professional credit you know what i mean and and some kids think they can just like stand up and do it oh definitely it's literally like you can have the talent but if you can't market that doesn't mean anything that is true that is true you have to have you have to have fuel for that machine yeah, and in that case, it's kind of the opposite. Like, just enough talent, but you know how to market yourself, and boom, you make it. So you're a podcaster. I'm sorry, I realize it's been like 15 minutes already, and we haven't talked about you yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all good. <laughs> well, t- to be fair, you were the first topic of conversation. I just realized I never talked to anybody named Bill, and it's only interesting to me. It's not interesting to anybody listening, and it sure as hell not interesting to you. Uh, no, it sounds good. I just did a podcast an hour ago on like ancient Western history or whatever, and there were like there was Wild Bill, Billy the Kid, and there was a uh, Buffalo Bill. So like three bills right off the bat, and I was thinking the same thing you said right when we started. Right, like there are there are no others, and the only ones we know are from the Old West. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is what is Bill short for? Is it short for William? Exactly. Yep. I don't know. Yeah, how that's my middle. That. That's my middle name is William. There you go. Great, great middle name. I'm telling you, I thought I have a middle. I don't know what I don't know what other common like W names there are, but I feel like a lot of people have that middle initial. Maybe I don't. Know, maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. It doesn't matter. What do you do for a living, Bill? Um, I'm actually a recent college graduate looking for work, so technically uh, unemployed. <laughs> nice. What's your degree in? Uh, mechanical engineering. What made you want to? pursue mechanical engineering um i was good at math i didn't know what else to do to be honest (laughs) and and i say that because now i'm trying to get into a production kind of field and i have a nice little part-time job going now so that's why i say that okay in turn and 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 by production you mean podcast production like for a company yeah that's right tell me about your podcast i didn't realize you talked to don i kind of i kind of like glossed over that but we have a guest in common. Tell me about your show. Sounds good. And um, yeah, that was like, that was a bit ago, maybe like 22. But yeah, he came on the show and he was nice enough to say, to give me his own intro that I use in like every beginning clip. But yeah, he was a good guest to talk to. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was super interesting to talk to. And and you can't you can't beat that voice, man. Oh, absolutely. Like, at the end, I I say, hey, uh, would you mind saying an intro? And he, like, turns it on. Like, this is the, like, I can't even mimic that. That's awesome. You got to, you got to, um, well, you don't have to send it to me. I can find your podcast. But if you don't mind, I might put a little clip of that in here. Yeah, sounds good. And this will be my <laughs> reminder to do that. <laughs> so why podcasting? Are you into public speaking? Um, kind of, I guess so. For me, what started was actually the radio. And since radio is kind of a dying form and podcasting is on the rise and they're kind of the same thing, I just said, uh, two birds, one stone. So I just do both. Oh, do you produce your podcast for the radio? Yeah, it's a little station, FM 91.7 in uh, Connecticut. What part of Connecticut? It's uh, Hartford area. I'm from New Haven. No way, actually. Yeah. Wow, so you're in Hartford right now? Um, No, I'm actually... Right now up north by Mansfield, but I'm leaving this uh, place in a few weeks because 
recent college graduate, so now I got to find my own place. Oh, I got you. Okay, so you drive to so do you drive to Hartford to work or do you do it remotely? Uh, everything's remote now because of COVID. Right, right, right. Yep. So tell me about the show. Is it just like an interview based thing? Is there is there a topic? Tell me about it. Yeah. So when I made the show, I was thinking like, okay, what can I do? Um, a bunch of people sit down with like their friends and stuff. I could do that, but I want to do something. I want I want to do something different. And what I'm saying is not different, or unique at all, but. <laughs> Basically, I just sit down with experts who are, like, experts on topics. So this one guy spent seven years, with wrote a book on cocaine in Colombia, so I sat down to talk about that, or music for another one. Like, as long as the guy's an expert, I talk to them. It's a good way to learn about people. It is, and you meet some interesting people. It's like, everybody meets, I've worked in, like, East Hartford or Glastonbury, and, like, I've just meet interesting people, but, like, doing this... I feel like I'm meeting the most interesting just for me personally, like not even for the show. Of course. Of course. That's all life experience. Tell me about some of them. Tell me about some of the interesting ones. Sounds good. Um, for people who like music, I actually had uh, uh, Ken Lewis on. He's a producer. He, I think he got his 104th gold and platinum record the other day. So that one's a favorite of mine because like, the dude absolutely loves music. He's got a crazy studio in his house. And he was just like a play, like super down-to-earth guy. So that was a favorite of mine. Besides that, there's more. I mean, guy who spent seven years cocaine. But this one guy spent, uh, he wrote a documentary for The Guardian with uh, the MS-13 gangs in uh, El Salvador. Right. Well, uh, yeah, MS-13 with 18th Street. So that was a uh, not a fun one because it's like a hard topic. But it was a... Uh, entered very interesting one i'd say so that's another favorite and i guess a the other favorite i could say is this uh hacker in uruguay who was sent to prison uh daniel hill he um could go on and on and i still message him like basically like every here and there on twitter and he just had a crazy story about getting framed and arrested and just everything I'm going to focus on him for a minute. What was his story? What was he? What did he get in trouble for? What was he hacking into? Sounds good. So, basically, like first off, he's a he's very into the hacking scene. He likes anonymous. He likes all that stuff. And his girlfriend had a issue at the hospital, so she asked him, "Hey, can you um hack into the ha- hospital for me? And like, I kind of want to see my records." So he says, "Okay." He plans to harmlessly go in, hack the hospital. But then he found there was an issue with the hospital to basically he found that the password for the admin, like full control of this place, was admin. So if anybody types in the username admin, password admin, they'd get complete access to anything in that whole hospital. So so he found that out. He reports it to the cops. And like that was the end of it. Like he said, hey, look at this issue. I don't want people to use and take advantage of this. But then three years later, three years, I think it was like two, three years later, somebody else hacks into the hospital and then they demand 15 Bitcoins. And I mean, this was before the Bitcoin boom. So like nowadays, that's like literally like a million dollars. <laughs> right. But at the time, yeah, he uh, demands 15 Bitcoins. And because Alberto said what he said before, like he brought up the issue, they targeted him and... When they raided his house, he's got, like, all these credit cards. He's got all these masks. He's got, like, his whole place is just completely hacker-related. So the cops instantly saw him as suspicious. They, like, raid his house. They do all this stuff. Like, they don't have a warrant. And actually, the warrant had a wrong name and another date on it. So, like, that, along with all these other mistakes that he goes on about. And... They say, like, they're going to start interrogating his family and all this stuff. And after all the overwhelmingness, he admitted to the crime. But then he takes that back. Like, he admits in the moment because, fun fact, the reason we have the, uh, what is it called where you have to say you have a right to a lawyer? Right like, to- Miranda rights. Miranda rights, yeah. Right. The reason we have those is because a bunch of people were confessing to crimes they didn't do. Because they didn't realize they had rights. They thought, like, if they admit, then they'll get the better case scenario. They won't get screwed over. Right. I remember that from high school. I mean, it was a guy, I think his name was Hector Miranda. 
and he was he he had broken into a pool hall, and uh, somehow he had like implicated himself, and they they never advised him of his right to like have an attorney and right to you know to remain silent and all that stuff. So yeah, they read that every time. Yeah, you actually just remind me about that. Yeah, we did learn about that in high school too. Yeah, and I, I, I was so bad at high school history, but I was bad at high school period. Anyway, <laughs> oh, I feel that. Still to this day, I remember Nina Pinta Santa Maria were the ships that came to America. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember that, and I don't know. I got a lot of stuff. World War Two is like my favorite, and like because I had a good, I had a good teacher for that like segment of history. Like we had a good teacher who was very immersive and very interesting. It's always the history teachers. I feel like that, and then like the math ones are always very strict. Science, kind of, you got your mixed bag there. That's true. But science, I feel like science teachers have it lucky because science by nature is like an interesting topic. Like it's 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 all about everything around us and what it's made of and things you can't see unless you have like a microscope. And it, it's 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 all like it's automatically fascinating math. I don't know, man. I don't know how to I don't know that I would have the capability to make math interesting. <laughs> yeah. Science. Uh, today we're dissecting a frog or if you mix these combinations together, you make a nuke or like a tiny bomb or something i don't know but yeah math is you either like it or you hate it there's no middle ground yeah i love math you like math um yeah i enjoy life well yeah you're an engineer of course you like math. <laughs> that's why i picked it <laughs> yeah are you good at um and I'm, I'm not gonna quiz you or anything but are you good at doing math in your head some people are like really good at it some people cannot do it to save their life i used to be a wizard with it but that's because back in like high school or middle school, you're constantly doing math problems. And now that I don't do them, the other day I'm playing like darts with my friend and I struggled to subtract like 85, like 25 from 86 or something like. So definitely lost it a little bit. Uh, that would take me a second too. We say 86 minus 25? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me how long you've been doing your show. How long have you been uh, putting this podcast together? I started the radio about a year and a half ago, and the podcast maybe like two months after that, and then COVID hit. So even though I started in March, it I made another episode April, and then I didn't really start until July, I'd say. So since and did you audition? Like, did you like? Was there a, like a tryout period? Did they give you like a test show to see how it goes? Like, how did you go about working for a radio station? Yeah. So, um, basically, the public radio station, or at that time, uh, UConn, where I was a student, they uh, offered this. They say, uh, "Oh, you can learn about the radio station. I just want to learn the software stuff." Mm -hmm. So I learned the software stuff. I learned the soundboard. I learned this and that but then i found out they have a training course so i just went through the course for a few months i think like three months then i took some tests and i did some like fake broadcasts and all that stuff and then after doing that they said okay i'm approved i can go on the air campus radio yes i love it i was the manager of uh, WSIN at Southern Connecticut State University. That was our campus station. And I, I was the general manager for a year, production manager for another year. I love college radio. It's like, it's like you're talking about the Old West. It's like the Wild West, man. You can just do whatever you want. People who just have like a basic idea can just hop in a studio and make what they want to make. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. And I love that. Well, with COVID, I can't, like everything needs to be clean now. But if it's after 10 o'clock, you can literally say, can I swear on this show? Yeah, you say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I could say whatever the fuck I want after 10 o'clock. <laughs> right. Here you go. Absolutely. Yeah, it was the same. Well, it was the same thing in our station, but our um, faculty advisor still just kind of didn't want us to swear even after 10. I'm, I'm not really sure what shows went on after 10. Do you guys have late night stuff over there? Um, I started like right before COVID, so we definitely did, I'd say, but now... I don't know, because they're all concerned about software issues. So even if you upload at 11, it might air at like 6 or 5 or something. Oh, is that how it works? You like Dropbox it to them? Yep, exactly. Literally, uh, yeah. Dropbox. I was um, working for, I, I maybe that's a stretch. I was doing this show um, for a little station called Radio Free Brooklyn out in New York. And I did that from September to February. And that's how it worked. Every week I would, dro I would Dropbox them whatever episode i was working on um 
But it ended up just not being fun because he gave me like, well, first of all, I was on uh, Monday mornings at 2 a.m., which you know how many people are listening to (laughs) independent (laughs) radio at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Monday because nobody's like going to bed for work or anything. I mean, those Sunday night partiers (laughs) that say, eh, screw work. Eh. That's true. (laughs) Right. Yeah. If church runs late, people listen to the radio on the way home or something. (laughs) Yeah. That's Sunday (laughs) night. So that sucked. And then I had like I had like a straight hour slot. And the way this show works, I don't know if you've listened to many episodes of it, but, but the way the show works is like this can go on for it doesn't necessarily have to be an hour. It might be half an hour. It might be an hour 30, you know. And so I, I had to like I had to edit the hell out of my show and I hated doing that. I had to like stop and like beg for money for the station. And I just it just messed up the flow of it. So. I'm glad to be off the radio now, but I'm also glad that there are stations that are still putting cool stuff out there, like the one you're working for. Yeah, and I'm glad they're still doing good, because the radio's not going down too much. It's kind of flatlining, plus there's apps for the radio, so it's actually doing just fine. And did you have to, like, were you live at 2 o'clock, or, like, you did it before and it would air at 2 o'clock? No, I would have to drop Oxford to them, like, 24 hours prior, and then they would play it. Gotcha. Which it was fun, you know, to be able to say, hey, I'm on the radio in New York. But then I hope nobody has any further questions about it. <laughs> oh, like, what time are you on? Oh, what what station? <laughs> well, you've never heard of the station. You've never heard of the time slot. And you've never heard of the show. And yeah. it turned out when they did the numbers, by the time I had left, you know how many people had listened to this show at 2 o'clock in the morning? Zero. Not a single oh. person. <laughs> I got all my listens from from streaming and from Spotify and stuff. So I was like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to head out. <laughs> I mean, at least there's that, but, man, I would really think at least a few, like, late-night alcoholics waking up or something. I don't know. Well, that's what I thought, and, like, they told me at first, like, it was going to be at 2 a.m. on Mondays, which, at first, I was excited about it because, yeah, 2 o'clock in the morning on a Monday in Hartford might not be much. Actually, it might be the last moment of your life, but if you're... If you're... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get into that but like two o'clock in the morning <clears throat> excuse me two o'clock in the morning on a monday in new york yeah maybe a little bit different maybe there's somebody like working late or you know there's like a radio playing in somebody's window or something somebody might walk by and hear the thing so that's what i was excited about i was like okay cool i have a late night show in new york but you the one of the ingredients to a show is an audience so yeah especially the new york population i mean Maybe you can get one of those lucky radios far away and the guy can't reach the remote or can't reach the radio so they have to hear it. I mean, I'd expect a few of those. <laughs> I would even take that. I would even take that. Hey, listen, I my, my dog ingested battery acid and I was flushing out his stomach and I heard your show. Like, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> hey, thank you. How nice. <laughs> so what's the game plan going forward? How long do you want to be doing this podcast thing and do you have goals to take it past the station you're at now? Yeah, I am... Um... Like, I don't have plans to stop anytime soon. I'm just, I love it. I hope I never stop loving it. I'm just, I want it to take off. And the goal is number one. Is that going to happen now? But, like, that's the goal. And Radio Station, I actually called up a few probably a month ago. And, unfortunately, nothing came out of it. But, eh, I'm going to keep trying. Keep going. That's how you do it, man. That's how you do it. I should walk back a comment I made earlier about how these kids think they can get on TikTok or YouTube and, like, you know, do what people have been trying to do for years and years. Honestly, that's kind of how it happens sometimes, isn't it? I mean, if you have the talent, who says you have to wait 20 years because some other guy waited 20 years? If if you have it, go for it, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to take that shortcut wherever I can. <laughs> Listen, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. That 20 years, a little time skip isn't bad. I mean, Ken Lewis, he was a, that producer I said, he, I think it was even more than 20 years for him. Maybe it took him 30 to get to where he is. It took him a real long time. Now, do you do research for the guests that you have on the show or do you ask questions kind of like, like the way I'm doing? I just ask questions like in the heat of it. I don't, I don't prepare anything. Do you have a research process for the people that you talk to? Yeah, one thing nice about this show is I do everything, but then episode 24, I found somebody who really likes to do research. So she'll actually, I'll give her a notification like saying, hey, uh, I'm interviewing this person. Here's some links and stuff. So she'll do a 10 page with like links and all this stuff. Send it my way. 
I'm just like, thank you. You're such a lifesaver. So like, I'll read that. Got a researcher. Hot shit. (laughs) That's awesome. I know. That's like the biggest break. (laughs) And how did you link up with the researcher? Did they reach out to you? No, Reddit. It's social media is amazing. <laughs> Reddit is amazing, isn't it? That's how I get like ninety percent of the guests for this show. Like at first, it was all it was all podcasters because I put out the ad for the show on all the podcasting subreddits because I figured anybody who reads this and wants to be on the show, they already have a good microphone. So like right off the bat, I got good sound quality, yeah. and it's amazing the the just the variety of people you can link up with at a place like Reddit. Oh, absolutely. I'm a uh... Like, the Reddit IMA is an amazing tool, but even, like, Twitter and all social media is the only reason my show is even remotely close to where it is right now. There are people that I, one, grew up watching and listening to on TV and radio, and two, people that I listen to to this day to kind of get a little bit of swagger from, get a little bit of style from. Are there people on the radio or on TV that you whether knowingly or not model yourself after do you like do you try to imitate a certain style uh well it's funny because in the description of my show like it's three words talking with experts and then i have parentheses it's a mix between joe rogan and 60 minutes okay so i guess you can say like i kind of mimic those two but besides that early on it was a lot of trying to mimic 60 minutes and then seeing what joe rogan does right but then I ask like other people, like, how do you do it? What makes your show your best? And they say, just make it your own. So I tried to take like tips and tricks, but I just try to make it my own now. Right. Oh yeah. At the end of the day, you can't one hundred percent, you know, mimic somebody. Um, you do have to kind of make it your own. But I find that, you know, especially as I've gone along in this project, I feel like my. The style that I bring to it is a mix of a lot of different influences in my life. Some of them work in TV and radio. Some of them don't. Some of them are just really close friends. I just admire their, I admire their ability to ask questions and their and their ability to kind of lean in and 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 focus on on the conversation at hand. You know, you just become this giant mixtape of 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 of, uh, of traits and and uh, and qualities. Oh, definitely. And yeah, that's where, like, then it really depends on the episode. So like. If I have, uh, like, the Uruguay guy, he uh, he's coming on the show, the hacker, he's going to come in the future, and because I've been talking to him, I can be so much more casual, laid back with it, like, chill, say whatever, fuck up if I want to, like, whatever. But then if I have a woman who wrote a movie documentary on methadone, like, that was another one, and it's a very serious topic, then I sort of have to take those more professional, like, approach like so maybe like some professors i saw in the past or interviewers i try to like take as much of that as i can and since you and since you are the one picking the guests and therefore picking the topics for the show do you have a method to the order in which you pick people like you don't want like the methadone lady right after the drug guy right after the hacker you don't want all these like serious things in a row do you try to break it up for yourself once in a while and get like a i don't know like a rodeo clown or something (laughs) Yeah, it's a chaos theory. Just the be chaos. No, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know it well, man. I, uh, I mean, it's funny because they tend to group together. Like, I just find a hacker, and then another episode's like two episodes later, Silk Road, which is dark web related, or the Ken Lewis. Then I have another producer in Chicago, and so like they all tend to group together. And I think it's because when I find a guest, I like to go through their followers list to see, like, what other people I can find. So I try to mix it up a lot, but they all tend to group together. And somebody told me the other day, my show is basically becoming, uh, a, it's basically becoming three topics, addiction, uh, dark web, and I forgot what he said the third one is, but I am starting to fall into these niche areas, which is why today I did one on Texas Jack west uh was it the wild west completely new topic because i need to make sure i mix it up as and i don't fall into these ruts right no i think that's a good idea i think you keep it fresh and and, you know if not keeping it fresh for your audience keeping it fresh for yourself at least because i'm sure you want to like you want to do a show and like have fun and maybe laugh once in a while you know oh definitely and like there are topics that i really am excited for and other ones that 
not as much. I mean, I still am excited, but not to the same degree. Like, for example, actually, I just confirmed a QAnon one that I'm going to do in a week. And I've been wanting to do a QAnon interview for the longest time. What do you plan on asking this person? Um, I don't know exactly. Like, I talked to a flat earther who believed they were a flat earther, so I had to, like, be my do my best to be uh respectful but this wo- sure yeah but this woman she uh she wrote a few books about q and so she's not in it herself so now i can just i can say like why the why the fuck do uh these families separate and why does it become such an issue and why are people so hell-bent on their mindsets and like stuff like that got you so she's not like a conspiracy theorist she's she's kind of a of a well an expert like you said yeah, she's like a reporter who's written books, so she like researches it. If you were a guest on your own show, other than podcasting, what would your area of expertise be? What would you interview Bill about? How to be a shit podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> You're an expert in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, you know what I mean though. Like other than broadcasting, like is there an area of 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 knowledge in your life? But you know, other than engineering and other than like stuff you went to school for, like what are you into? What would be an interest that you could talk about for an hour? Man, um it's my things like become the radio and stuff, but I, I, I want to pick something different. So what would I be an expert in? Uh, man, I don't want to give a political answer either. <laughs> you can give a political answer. All right. I guess I'd be a little bit of an expert in Bernie Sanders. <laughs> okay. Okay. What about Bernie Sanders in particular? Tell me, so tell me something, something interesting about Bernie Sanders that I might not know. Something interesting about him. He uh he won his first election by I want to say nine votes, local mayor mayor position. That's kind of amazing, actually. Yeah, he had a basketball wow. team that he played like pickup with, and they all voted for him. And if they all didn't vote for him, he would have lost. Have you ever met him or talked to him? I got his autograph once. Did you really? Yeah, I was at. Wow, a, how'd you get that? Yeah, I was at a rally and um. Like, he was walking by, and I had my book and a marker, and just in case that situation happened, I'm like, hey, can you uh, can you sign this book for me? Because it's his book. I have his autobiography. And, yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he is uh, – Bernie Sanders is an amazing politician. Yeah, and if he won, that book value definitely would have gone up. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's why uh, – it's like a bummer, but it's like, shit, I could have made some more money. <laughs> Maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially now that I got greedy with Dogecoin and all my profits went away in like the span of a day. Oh, man. Did you do the whole Wall Street thing when GameStop was about to blow up? I did, but I wasn't early enough, so I only made like 50 bucks. Yeah, I didn't make I didn't make anything off of it. Well, you know what happened? I... Well, first of all, I talked to an investor a couple months ago for this show, and he confirmed something that I sort of knew to be true, but I, I just got caught up in the fun of it. Once everybody knows about it, it's too late. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, so once I, and once I find out about it, it's definitely too late. So, like, I, I was I spent like my whole work shift. I was working in some some shitty office and uh, I was reading about this thing and, and, and finding out just like how to get involved in it. Cause that was attractive to me. That idea that like everyday people are playing the stock market. I'd always been interested in getting into stocks and stuff, but I never, I was always sort of intimidated by it. But I was like, okay, maybe this is my chance to at least learn about it and get in and have some fun. So I bought like 10 shares of GameStop when it was, when it was low, low. And it was like the next day that, um, Robinhood, the trading app, started canceling people's orders and started uh, canceling out their funds and you know doing whatever they were doing to limit the purchase of the stock. And it became this entire thing. I think there was a class action lawsuit against them filed uh, by, um, oh my God, what's her name? Ocasio-Cortez on behalf of all the people who got fucked out of their money on Robinhood. Yeah, no, that was brutal. I, um... And that's why I left and so many of my friends left Robinhood because it was crummy as hell. You, I, some guy came on the news 
and he said if Robin Hood didn't do that, GameStop could have kept going and it could have even reached a thousand dollars. Right. Yeah, they really they really crippled what was going on. But I also think that a lot of people rode that wave without knowing for lack of a better phrase, not really knowing what the fuck they were doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. And, and and that was definitely me. Like, I just I just seemed like fun. And I didn't... Some people dropped, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars into GameStop stock. I did. I maybe spent, like, what, 200 bucks, 300 bucks, like, something, you know, just to have a little bit of... Just have a little bit of fun, you know. Yeah. At, at worst case scenario, it's a learning lesson. Oh, exactly. And I know a lot of people... Uh, the reason I, I threw in, like, maybe 400 bucks and my roommate did the same because... There was like a whole movement behind it that these hedge funds like Melvin, I want to say, they would keep shorting these companies to make a bunch of money. So like they dig the company into the ground and by GameStop going up, if it took off until that Friday, they would have been out. I mean, one of them was out like 48% of their earnings or something, but a lot of people were trying to see as like a stick uh, standing up to Wall Street. So I'm like, eh, I'll, I'll do my part. I'll take, I'll take a stand throwing 400 you have any stocks now? Like, did you maintain an interest in it after the GameStop thing fizzled out? I'm still in the stock. I have a few Microsoft and Dogecoin was my big one. And that's where I was doing very well. But then Saturday Night Live happened and all my earnings just disappeared. That's right. Because Elon was on the show. Did that really kill the like the price of Dogecoin? Yep. And the worst part is the whole day, like everybody was hyping it up. It's Saturday Night Live. Elon Musk is going to come and it's going to take off. And... The whole day, because that narrative was being pushed, I kept t- saying, like, no, it's not. It's gonna, it's not going to take off. It's going to go down. I disagree. I sold all my stock. But right off the bat, the stock went up, and I doubted myself. And I said, screw it, and I went all in, and then it just plummeted. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> all for what? Like, it wasn't, even, it wasn't even a funny show. Like, it wasn't even a funny episode. Used- and he was so, he was so cringy. Oh, I used to like the Saturday Night Live. They had some good skits, but that episode was horrible. My wife and I were just talking about it. My wife studied improv for a long time. She wanted to be on SNL more than anything in the whole world. But you know how sometimes you romanticize a previous version of a thing and you don't realize what it is now? Like, she wanted to be on the SNL that she remembered with, like, Chris Farley and Norm MacDonald and Chris Kattan and, like, all these, all these like, golden era people, you know, even going, like, further back, like Jim Belushi and stuff. Eddie Murphy, um, yeah. but yeah, the show now is like, it's like unrecognizable. You know, we, we we were just talking about how 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 bad it is. Uh, the um, like, did you watch that episode? We started to. I had it. Um, I had it downloaded, and my wife and I ordered a pizza tonight, actually, and we were going to watch it. And we got through, we got through the monologue, and like maybe the first 10 minutes after that and we just we just couldn't we just couldn't like like we realized like we looked at each other and we realized that nobody was enjoying this (laughs) oh that's smart of you because me and my friends we didn't tap out we kept watching it and it just got so much worse there's this one horrible skit where they're like ukraine or something with some accents and there's bright colors but like it was just the most painful thing in the world oh yeah we saw that one yeah 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 we saw that one you saw saw that one one. yeah horrible (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's oh man, don't even get me started. I have I have a lot of opinions about TV and comedy and I don't know. It's yep. They have Pete Davidson, but even he's like good sometimes. He's like the only re- partially redeeming factor of that show. He definitely grew on me. If you've ever seen The King of Staten Island and you've ever seen his he has a stand-up special called Alive from New York. He is he really grew on me. I haven't seen that, but I should because I did hear about it. Yeah, he um he he is he is legitimately funny, and I trust my wife's opinion when it comes to who's funny and who isn't because she's she is a comedy comedy expert slash snob. So I she loves him, and it, it got me looking at him. I said he's he's like this guy is okay. He's he's a he's a good egg. Sounds good. Did she ever get into like stand up? Because I hear it's a hard scene. Stand-up is a hard scene. She never got into stand-up. She was into sketch. She was into improv and writing sketches. And uh, She went to UCB in New York for a couple years, um, and she loved it. But then, you know, 
life happens and she kind of got taken away from New York and ended up in Pennsylvania and then met me when I was in Connecticut. But she never got into stand-up comedy. It is difficult. It's very difficult. I talked to a guest a few months ago from Germany who's a stand-up comedian over there and it's really, really hard to craft a good stand-up act. Even to get like five or ten minutes, you know. It seems like it would be easy. I tell my wife all the time. If... Because the way she talks just makes me laugh. And not just because I'm her husband. She's just a, a fucking funny person. And sometimes she'll say shit. And I'll tell her, like, if you go to the other room right now and write that down and do that ten more times, you have a solid five minutes. You can go out and perform. But it's getting into that headspace of being able to do that. Like, it's all fine and well to write. But then to to think the shit that you wrote is good enough that you can get up on stage and say it, that's a whole different game. Oh, definitely. And, like, you know with the radio, because you said you've done it too, like, yeah, you speak into the mic and you say whatever, but, like, if you're doing stand-up, then you actually see all these faces and eyes, like, looking back at you. Right. It's that immediate immediate judgment, immediate uh, ranking and, you know, all that. Yeah, it's it's it, it's one of the cool things about being on the radio is that you don't really know who you're speaking to until, you know... One day you get recognized or you get shouted out or tweeted or something, but yeah. I don't know. I guess I that like that part I guess seems nerve wracking. I love being in front of people. I love being in front of an audience. That's like I thrive in front of an audience. <laughs> I see that. That's why uh, one of my goals down the like one of my big bucket lists is I want to have my I want to do my own TED talk just for like that reason and like to say some crazy topic and be in that TED episode history. Would you have a topic in mind, or would you just want to go up there and like just riff on something for like an hour? I'd put I have like some small notes about possible ideas, but like you said, like what would I be an expert in? Like snowboarding, but I can't go on about that. So I'd have to sort of just use my. I feel like there's so many podcasters out there too, so I'd hate to say it, but like I'd have to use my past guests and like make a TED talk about say what I've learned or something like that. I have a controversial yet brave opinion. I think you could put together a TED Talk about snowboarding because it doesn't necessarily have to be about the act of snowboarding. It could be how you got into it, what you what you overcame when you were learning how to snowboard and how those lessons apply to your life and how they can apply to people's lives from like a professional standpoint, overcoming odds, learning how to do a really hard thing, overcoming that fear of getting hurt. You could do that. You could do that for an hour. I would listen to that if you did that for an hour. Maybe. I uh that's actually my college paper. I forget what you call it, but you submit it to get us out into university. It was all related to this, uh, snowboarding and, like, overcoming to reach your goals. Yeah, see, you already did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's already done. Next question. Then I could also get technical and then bore everybody when I say, oh, the Kamer was the original shape, and then it went to Fee Rocker and Flying Fee, and then say, like, sp spine lines throughout it and say all that technical mumbo-jumbo. <laughs> I don't know what any of that means, so I'm going to go on to the next question. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Hey, are you from Hartford originally? Uh, right next to it, Weathersfield. Okay, that's a rough area, man. No, uh, the weather. Well, yeah, right on the border where I was. Yeah, the rest of Weathersfield, not so much. Have you have you seen some shit? Um, nothing too crazy, but I will say I've grown up in the projects. Okay, and what do you mean by that? I mean that I was young and we moved out when I was like fourteen. So, like, apparently. Apparently, like, my neighbor was was a coke addict, and she had, like, a basement of party scenes, and the kid was taking away, like, stuff like that, or we had, like, some kids on the block who would play basketball and get rowdy, but, like, I was a kid, so I didn't really see it like that, and then when I moved out, it's like, oh, wait, really? Oh, she was nice, and, oh, oh that happened? Oh, shit. <laughs> some people look back on those experiences, and they come to the realization as adults or as older adults that those experiences and seeing the things that they saw at that point in their lives um, in either a small part or a large part contributed to who they are. Do you think that you owe some life experience to seeing what you saw living in the, in an area like that? Oh, absolutely. That's um, it like defined, say like even politically it defined how I act. I uh, going off to university. Uh, oh man, I don't want to sound like like a, 
dick or snobby, but like some people tend to be phony or a lot more people tend to be phony. So I try to stay away from phony people quotation marks. <laughs> I feel like that's the goal of everybody. As soon as like, I feel like it starts in high school and it continues on and it becomes, it turns from just like uh, fear of phony people to just like, um, turns into like a lifestyle. I feel like people naturally avoid phony people. But none of us are really good at it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if, like, for as much as I could say that, like, I don't want anyone phony around me, of course I know some phony-ass people. Don't you know some phony-ass people? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and Who's one of them? Give me a name. Uh, okay, uh, this kid, Sebastian. <laughs> All right, what's wrong with Sebastian? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> the good thing is people don't know names, and if he's randomly tuning in, then, yo, sorry, Sebastian, but... <laughs> Yeah. Tell him I tell him we're talking about the crab from the little mermaid. It's okay. Perfect. I could just <laughs> <laughs> There's um there's like so much shit. Like for one, one of our friends, uh he flips cars and makes uh good income flipping cars. So then this kid Sebastian out of the blue, he says, "Hey, uh like doesn't talk to him for the longest time." And then just out of the blue, he's like, "Hey, can I borrow $8,000?" Like no warm up. He just goes straight into that. And that's like, why do you want to borrow eight thousand? Don't you have a car? Oh wait, eight thousand. He says I want to buy this car, uh, car from this cute girl upstairs. And it's like, don't you have a car that works already? And he's like, yeah, but I want to buy that car. So you don't have money on you, but you want to borrow eight thousand dollars to buy a car for that reason? I don't know. <laughs> that's a little much. That's a little much. Let me play devil's advocate for a minute, though. Is that phony or is that just ignorant? That's why. Like, could yeah. you blame him? You know what I mean. Like, I feel like I feel like phony. I feel like to say phony sort of implies that there's like there's a strategy to it. Like, you know, you're not being genuine. But I feel like I I, I see it sometimes like on these Facebook groups where people like buy and sell shit. I'll see somebody say like, "Hey, I have eight hundred dollars. What kind of car can I get with that?" And it's like, I don't think they're trying to be cheap. I think that they're just being broke and ignorant. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, um, yeah, that could be, I mean, phony is probably a bad word to use, but it gets that message across where, I mean, keep in mind that the 8000 for the cute girl, he also has a girlfriend who he's also cheated on in the past, so is that phony? Oh, so he's just a <laughs> shitty person. A little bit. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, so it's just shit like that. <laughs> if you want me to take his name out, I will, but I think it'd be funny to leave it in. I guarantee he's not listening to this. <laughs> I guarantee, too, and I have some personal beefs over here. So, eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's all, it's all out now. Yeah. <laughs> so, Bill, I asked this question of everybody who participates in this show because participation in this show is a choice. I put out a form on Reddit. I said, anyone who wants to have a conversation with me for however long about whatever you want, just fill it out, give me your name, tell me what you do, whatever, basic info, and we'll have a talk. Now we're having a talk. What made you want to participate in this show? Um, I don't know. Like, I go through the Reddit and I see a lot of posts where it's like, oh, brand new podcast I'm starting or, oh just regular people or something but some the way your podcast came across it was like a better version of interviewing random or talking to random people it seemed i don't know exactly how i worded but just something about it looked better and yeah that's why i appreciate that man thank you <laughs> no problem thank you very much <laughs> when you talk to the people that you talk to for your show do you hope that you take away something from every interaction? Like, do you go, do you go into these interviews hoping to learn something, or are you hoping to just kind of paint a picture of what that person wants to talk about? Uh, I'll say I heard um, I heard a TED talk the other day, and it used this quote that said, "Everybody I talk to is an expert compared to me in some way." And in some way, I'm a moron compared to them. So everybody I talk to, like I said, they're experts in some topic. So when we talk about that topic, I'm like a complete moron, a complete idiot. I don't know shit compared to what they're saying. So I try to take away as much from them as I can about that thing. 
that's a great way to go about it. You go about it with the expectation that you can learn from this person. And I feel like that sets you up for like quality interactions, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And that's why I like to I do it. I love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. What is your ultimate goal for this show? Uh, like, you, could, you know, I know you, I, I know you want to do it forever, but I know you probably don't want to stay at the station you're at forever. I'm sure you have your sights set on something a little bit bigger. My absolute goal is to, down the road, just like, I guess the ultimate goal is to just have my own professionally done studio. That's a goal. It, That's a good goal to be able to do it at home, like in the in, at home and comfortable. I don't know about yeah, like that, but like I mean, my own like sort of like Joe Rogan has his own studio he goes to, and it's just for him. Like so, maybe oh, it, okay, like a like a dedicated facility. I got yeah, you. like I'm getting paid. Like I guess it's being financed or something where I go to this place to my own studio. It is possible. I had a sponsor for this show. Um, for a few months, there was a friend of mine that I went to school with, and she is this like incredible businesswoman who's she has like a she has a, a like a, a service based in Boston where she recruits <laughs> nannies and, and live in caretakers and things like that. And she sponsored my show and her time to sponsor it is going to be up within a couple of weeks and she won't be the sponsor anymore. But the experience of that left me feeling empowered that like holy shit, this thing is, like, worth a little bit of money. Like, somebody else saw value in it, you know? And I feel like as long as you have the good fortune to link up with somebody who can provide that for you, which it seems like you're really good at being at the right place at the right time, which is how you got to where you are now. Um, if that streak continues, I, I, I foresee that for you. I think that that would be, I think that that would be a, a hell of an accomplishment. I hope so. Yeah, fingers crossed, but definitely a long ways to go. <laughs> You'll get there, man. It'll happen before you know it. Just keep, like, man, you just got to, like, that's the thing about putting stuff out online. It's like you have to fight against that wave of, like, holy shit, nobody's listening to this. Why am I doing this? Nobody's downloading this. Nobody is, is interested in this. And you have to, like, fight against that and just, like, discipline yourself to, like, put shit out week after week after week. It's hard sometimes. I I'm feel very fortunate that I, I got into the discipline of, like, putting out an episode every week because sometimes it is very discouraging. Oh, definitely. That's why, like, 70% of podcasts out there don't upload, and the average is, like, seven episodes because it's a ton of work, and you got to be consistent with it. Yeah, and you have to be able to, to a certain degree, and maybe maybe you don't agree with this, maybe you do, you have to, to a certain degree, be able to criticize yourself. You have to look at your performance and look at your output and judge yourself and determine where you can improve and where you you know like your weak spots you have to do that yourself and that that could be draining oh absolutely and that's like the same reason i can't listen to like my first like 14 or something episodes even though like they're okay they're good or whatnot but it's like man i was horrible and even now i'm i'll look in the i'll look at right now in the future and i'll still be like oh wow that was horrible i fucked that up or i should have done this or that so it's con well well i'll tell you two things one, you didn't fuck up here. This was an awesome conversation. Hey. Two, that's completely healthy because I feel like in order to look back on what you've done previously and go, holy shit, I never want to do that again. I'm glad I'm who I am now. Like that is a sign of intense personal growth. And a lot of people, for whatever reason, are not capable of personal growth. So just to be able to do that from a creative standpoint, huge accomplishment. Sounds good. Thank you. And yeah, glad to hear and that goes for anything like somebody wants to play the guitar or whatever it's like people just you got to stick with what you want to do and no matter who you are you'll get better absolutely that's a perfect lesson to close out on isn't it sounds good <laughs> absolutely bill this has been such a pleasure man thank you for sharing everything that you shared i'm really glad we're not strangers anymore this was a real pleasure sounds great yeah thank you for coming on the show uh having me on the show i had a great time <laughs> <laughs> you're so used to saying <laughs> I am, yeah. <laughs> oh, my pleasure my pleasure i'll be on your show anytime bill you just let me know man <laughs> oh sounds great <laughs> all right hey good luck with the show and good luck with everything you want to do you, you are going to get that studio i guarantee it <laughs> sounds great hopefully i i'm, I'm I, I see it for you 
Have a good night, Bill. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Stranger Than Christian is produced by me, Christian Carrion, for my studio in Lancaster City, Pennsylvania. New episodes premiere every Saturday on all major streaming services and at StrangerThanChristian.com. Follow me on Twitter at StrangerThanC and follow me on Instagram at StrangerThanChristian. If you enjoy the shows, support me on Patreon. Not only will you be supporting unedited, honest conversation, but you'll also receive lots of perks and bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash stranger than Christian to give your support. Until next week, thank you so much for tuning in to Stranger Than Christian, part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network. I'm Christian Carrion. Good night. Stranger Than Christian is a Fat Paulie's Bagels production. Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard. 